Guys, welcome again to Manifest INTL Moment of Truth. This is our chance to truly, truly discuss some of the things that we've been talking about, um, both in private and some of the discussion we'll be having with other people, and some topics we're really, really curious about to really discuss here with you today. And over the last two weeks, we've been discussing about, you know, can a Christian leader be depressed? And, you know, we've discussed different both sides of things, of, you know, looking at what uh, could cause it, how church are responsible for it, and some kind of things that we could be doing. And towards the end of our last um, uh, uh, episode, I think uh, Brother Jesse really brought up about counseling. He brought up about, you know, doing the due diligence towards leaders. And I think Brother Jaleel also talked about not just open up branches for the sake of branches, but actually doing a proper test and looking at people's character before you actually give them a whole church to manage. So we'll be looking, we'll be going deeper into that today to truly find out, you know, can a Christian leader really be depressed? And if they are, what are the solutions to that? And what does that truly look like before it gets too late? So guys, I'm opening up the floodgates again. And I think Shabazz, you have something to tell us. I hope the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to say what I'm going to say with um, clarity and precision. But nevertheless, I agree with what Jesse and Jalil were saying in terms of church um, leadership before dating people should do CRB checks on them. But then on the flip side, I do believe before you're ordained, you should be wholeheartedly transparent with whoever's commissioning you into a place of leadership. Because how many times... Or how many people would openly say, like, openly be told, okay, look, I'm putting you in this department to manage. And then you openly say to them, but, you know, yesterday I bashed or yesterday I, I, I watched porn or, or yesterday I, I had a late night phone call with a girl and it was crazy. People are not really transparent with their leaders because they don't want to be shunned upon. People are not really transparent with their leads because they, I don't know if that, I don't know if they don't want to be condemned or I don't know if they don't want to be embarrassed or they think that they're going to be, you know, sent to the back. Because if you're in a position of leadership, you know, there's, there's responsibility that comes with it. There's respect that comes with it. And if you show someone or demonstrate someone like, listen, I, you've, you've trusted me with this department, but yet I'm still suffering with this and that. People are scared they might lose the responsibility because this is what Jalil was saying is that people build up their life around titles. And for me personally, like I got saved and I went into, into that place of ministry very early. Like I think I'll say for like three, four months and I'll start leading Bible study. And obviously the things that I was dealing with before I got saved, they, they didn't just, they didn't immediately go. Like there's some soul work, there's some character issues, you know, there's some things that need to be untangled that I used to tangle with, you know what I mean? That needed to be untangled whilst I was still ministering. And I think what happened was where, and, and I do actually openly, that moment of truth, definitely feel like I've gone to a state of depression because when you look at the symptoms of depression, a lot of people think symptoms of depression is like you're about to go kill yourself, but they're very subtle. Like a lot of people don't understand what depression is. Like if we, if we understand some of the symptoms of depression, it's, it's crazy. Like, look, like feeling helpless, you know, some of the, some of the lost of, loss of interest for daily activities. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or um, sleep changes, um, being irritable, loss of energy, loafing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Concentration problems. These are some, these are some of the things that people say are the symptoms of depression. 
And some of, some of us, we've gone through that state where, you know, we're not sleeping right. Or we've gone to that state where we've lost interest of daily activities. We've gone through that state of, 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 of concentration problems and not eating right and so on and so forth. And for me, when I look back at that time and what happened or what I did to, because I don't want to say it's my, well, I think it is my fault that I went to that state of depression because I, <laughs> I, I was, I, I, I guess I kind of switched, I, I took my relationship for God as the relationship I had with him on the altar. So my intimacy with God was on the altar. Do you understand what I'm saying? The time where I felt more intimate or the most intimate with God or the time I felt the most presence of God was on the altar. So I thought that my ministry or my relationship with God was to be conducted on the altar as a leader. Do you know what I mean? I have to show people that I'm strong. As a leader, I have to, you know, not show, show that I'm weak, I'm not suffering from this because people have to believe in me. So what I was doing was I was studying the word of God to preach. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't studying studying the word of God for myself I wasn't studying the word of God to transform myself you understand because the Bible says in the book of Psalm 23 that the Lord anoints our head he makes your cup runneth over there's a specific reason why he says your cup runneth over because the anointing is for ministry as we see in the book of Luke uh, book of Luke chapter 18 the anointing is for ministry however there is a cup that runneth over and that's for other people do you understand what i'm saying but your cup has to run so that you can give other people because there will be an imbalance in what happens in your life i hope this is making sense so when you are when you are preaching it's coming from that place of overflow that anointing of overflow and mm. there is a specific word for yourself that is to transform you but where i went to that place of depression was that I was just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out on people. And I wasn't receiving a word of God for myself. Every time I receive a word, I'm looking on how I can, how, how I can reiterate it to someone else. You understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, dis, I misunderstood what it meant to be. And this is what we speak about sonship, that you first have to be a son. I misunderstood that. I took my sonship as the relationship that I had with other people. I took my my leadership ability as the relationship I had with other people. So for me personally, going to that place of depression is very real for someone that is in leadership. And I think it comes yeah. from that place where you, 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 you misconstrued or you swap, you know, the secret place for the, for, for, or, or I guess you get carried away by the hype of the altar. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get, you get carried away by wanting to please people. You get carried away by, yeah. you know, the, the, the image that you display to people yeah. because anyone can perform. Anyone can be on the altar and make a word sound good. Anyone can preach. You know what I'm saying? And I, I honestly believe this. Anyone can make a word sound good. But what happens when yeah. you come off the altar is what judges whether you are sound or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of people know they're not sound, but because they've been in ministry for so long, because they're in a position or being given responsibilities, they don't want to lose this because it's somewhat, it's somewhat they've built up their relationship around ministry. So it's like, if I lose this responsibility, if I lose these, these, uh, the things that have been given to me, then what else do I have? Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is where we spoke earlier about David. Regardless, David didn't care if he lost his kingship. Do you understand? He just didn't want to lose the presence of God. And it's very difficult because more people, more people would <laughs> prefer, anyway, let me not, but yeah, praise be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think he just recorded the whole episode in just one go. <laughs> just, that was, no, that was powerful. Thank you for sharing that. that I think that was incredible. Uh, I think um, a lot of maybe leaders are dealing with that, uh, what do you call that syndrome? Um, people. Imposter syndrome. I don't know. Yeah, imposter syndrome. 
imposter syndrome yeah where you know you're it's all, a lot of acting now if i'm making any sense a lot of keeping up with the face a lot of keeping up with the name and the reputation rather than you know coming to a place of you know humbleness with God or a place of that you need to realize there's growth needs to take place. No, those are real stuff that you really touched on there. And I think we could stay here all night actually talking about that alone. Um, but no, thank you for sharing that. And one of the things I really, because of time, I really want us to touch upon is Jesse brought it up in the last place. And I think he was talking about counseling. Mm. And I think Brother Jalil also mentioned about, you know, before you send that guy to Manchester, you need to know if that guy is actually sound. And I think Shabazz was saying as well is he could be having some things he's been dealing with, but because he doesn't want to share it with the leader because of their roles and responsibility they've been given, and they don't want to lose that role. They don't want to lose that place they've been given or that pastorials or reverends or whatever bishop they've been given. So therefore, everyone kind of like, yeah, I can do it. Does counseling have a place in church? Let me define what counseling is. Because this is, I think I was having a conversation with someone here, I'll put the name for it, uh, and about counseling. And I said, let's say, for example, somebody got delivered or somebody was, he was going through something. A lot of the time, the church will give that person or go to that reverend for counseling. And that reverend does not have any qualification. <laughs> Just because they the Holy Ghost need qualification. The Holy, the Holy Ghost, Ghost qualification. qualification. I, I understand. We all got Holy Ghost qualification. What I'm trying to say, just because that person is a leader, <laughs> it doesn't even that person knows how to cancel. But it's, for um, me, it's the right. age difference. But anyway, crazy. I've seen people, I'm just saying here, yeah, the reason why I'm saying is because I've seen people that have been delivered from something, yeah? And I've seen the person that's been counseling them. I'm thinking, this, this person doesn't know how to communicate with people like that. So... And then you will see another deliverance service. And this is the same people that keep coming back. If you notice, deliverance service is full of the same people. And I'm thinking, is, is it that the demons are not leaving? Or our after care for these people are just giving them to that pastor, giving it to that. And that person, all they're doing is, let's go to the book of John chapter 3, verse 16, and not really dealing with the traumatic experiences that they've gone through. Um, I, well, that, that, I have my opinion on that. I just want to hear you guys' opinion in terms of does counseling, I'm talking about prof, I'm talking about professional counseling, by the way, does it have its place in church? 100%. First of all, there's a difference between mentorship and counseling. That's we yeah. first need to establish that. Like, just because not every pastor is a counselor. You know what I'm mm. saying? There's a professional qualification that is required. You know what I'm saying? So I think first and foremost, counseling is 100%. It's a necessity. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. <laughs> so if we say there's no place for counseling in church, and we're saying there's no place for a part of the Holy Spirit in church, and that doesn't make sense. So thank me, thanks be to God, He set up institutions where people can learn how to professionally counsel people, where people can learn how to communicate with people, where people can learn how to do this, that, and the other. So I feel like professional counseling, which you pay for with British currency, that you go to, one, it's an environment that you can be open. To the person that you're speaking to has the emotional intelligence to handle whatever it is that you want to say to them. A lot of these pastors, they don't have the emotional intelligence to head, oh yeah, I got, I don't know, maybe I don't want to say anything too mad on this, but you need to be able to talk to someone that's not going to judge you, that's going to be able to talk you and work. Because the, the purpose of counseling for me 
is being able to talk you through deliverance, talking you through your way out. So it's not that they're delivering you or anything. They're just helping you navigate different emotions. They're helping you navigate mm-hmm. different traumas. They're helping you deal with different things that you're going through, deal with different brokenness. Mm-hmm. So they know, do you get what I'm saying? They're knowing, they know, okay, this is the trigger that I need to look for. This is the pain point that I need to look for. This is it. That, this is this that I need to look for. This normally means that. When we're doing it on our own, we can, we can sort of, I, we can, something can be brought to light, but we don't know how to navigate it or we don't know what it means. So when you go to counseling, yeah. It's just, it, it reveals what these things mean. So that when I went to professional counseling, I did a 12-week course or a 10-week course, I can't remember which I paid for, professional Christian counseling. I was able to navigate, this means this, this means that, and this is why this is happening. So counseling is essential for your emotional growth, from my, from my yeah, opinion. Definitely. definitely, definitely. And yeah, following, following for what Jadil's saying is, it's all about that inner healing like a lot of people a lot of people deal with symptoms rather than roots and I feel like when people you know are just brushed off to a counsellor they usually tell them the symptoms and they sometimes uh, sorry not not professional counsellors I'm talking about just like maybe a pastor in church they say just go to him for counselling and you're going to just tell him this yeah 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 because you're telling him the symptoms and he's looking at the symptoms like okay cool yeah all right you're going through this okay this is a word for what this is this is a word for this you understand what i'm saying when really and truly you need to diverge and and it's not just a one session thing it's not just a two-week thing in fact it's a life if a life term lifelong thing because different situations that you occur can reflect can reflect um or have different impacts sorry on you emotionally throughout your christian walk so i think for me personally that counseling is diving to the root issue the root cause of why these things are happening and even bringing up things from your past because when i went to counseling i didn't even know like i was i say okay i went to counseling because i suffered from lust do you understand what i'm saying and and you know the symptoms of lust you know watching porn you know speaking to girls all of those stuff and then like when the counselor started to just ask me about family she started asking me about my household. Like she, I was like, what does that have to do with lust, though? She's like, yeah. And it wasn't, oh, were you touched when you were young, stuff like that. She was like, oh, is your parents together? You know, is your, is your, is your, were your parents divorced? Asking me different, different questions because I guess they have that emotional intelligence. They have that training, do you understand, to see past symptoms. And I think that's the vision that as, as Christians or that insight as Christians that we need to see past symptoms. Yes, someone can come to you and say, I keep doing this. I keep doing that. Okay, I understand that. And yes, it might be a, a situation of deliverance. Well, it probably is a situation of deliverance. But nevertheless, after that deliverance, what's the, after, or what's the things in place or the mechanisms in place or the systems in place for that aftercare? And I think a lot of times we have to, sit down with people and, and have genuine conversations and I, when i mean genuine conversations is that i'm i'm going to be <clears throat> transparent with you and i know that you're not going to go and tell my business to anyone else and i think that's a big reason why we don't have genuine conversations in church because people are not sure mm. and they don't trust who they're telling because they might have seen and heard things because i've seen and heard things like I've, I've seen, you know, other people in church here speak about something that someone's told them in confidentiality. And in my head, I'm thinking, raw, could that happen to me? Like, could I tell someone in confidentiality something? And then, you know what I mean? People are looking at me different. Like, 
because it's all about it's all about appearance like sometimes you take christianity christianity as appearance and how you appear to other people when really and truly is how you appear to god and a lot of people wouldn't carry the baggage that they that they that they carry till this day if they were able to be transparent and if they're able to trust and confine in someone that they know won't start you know telling their business to other people so i think going into that setting of professional counseling even someone that you don't know maybe she do it with someone you don't know someone yeah, that's all yeah. to where you're coming from because <laughs> <laughs> you, you got the, 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 the assurance that it's true is, though because no, it's, it's one more thing go on. it's true because <laughs> i remember yeah let me tell you something yeah. i remember there was one time we was um in a campus fellowship conference yeah and this is mm. how this is how like the 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 fear of man can grip people and, oh. and how they appear to other people can grip them, yeah? I remember, yeah, there was one campus fellowship conference and there was an altar call. And the altar call was if anyone is suffering from homosexual feelings or any feelings of homosexuality. And then obviously, listen, everyone can see who's coming up for that word. Do you understand what I'm saying? So obviously, if, if you saw your brethren, if you saw your boy, if, like literally, if you saw your boy come up for that word, like, you're going to look at him like... think of him he won't do it and obviously maybe you know certain situations like homosexuality certain sensitive topics are not to be called out upon in, in, in front of people i don't know i don't know but all i'm saying is you know what i mean like these things are real man people people do think this way so yeah man. wow wow i think that i think that is really really key and great answers to where you guys are kind of looking at. I, I definitely think professional counseling should be power fabrics of church now and i'm not saying it in the way of negative i just think so many people are dealing with so many traumatic things that's happened to them and yet some you know prayer could have healed them spiritually but i think that sometimes there could still be triggers that the enemy could still be using to truly entrap people and i think i truly agree with you that maybe obviously it might be a bit funny if you're using one of the pastors as counselor and like you say, confidentiality, confidentiality is one of the key things. Because even when I was going through relationship um, process at church, and some of the things that we discussed in the room with the marriage team, you know, all of a sudden came out. He came out and it caused havoc in my family. Because somebody from that team went to tell somebody else. And that led back to my parents. And it just took us even more havoc. So for me, it made me go, all right, fine. Now I know how everybody else is. You're never going to hear anything from me. So which is such a shame because you're in a church. You're thinking, okay, I can express myself to certain people or to everyone, but it's not making me think, okay, I can tell you something in a very, very, very confidential place and I'm hearing it everywhere else, then I'm, it's telling me that you can't keep it. So I can understand the argument against it that you don't want to now bring somebody from outside, maybe who goes to other church, and then start taking you from their church to their church. Does that make any sense during your counseling process? But I'm somebody that's an advocate for counseling now that I am, or I wasn't before. And I can definitely find myself definitely a lot more transparent in that environment because, like you said, I know you're not, first of all, I know I'm in a professional environment, you're not gonna judge me. And the things that I'm saying, the counseling there, I definitely wouldn't have said it if I was at church. That is 1000%. Once that's 1,000%. I definitely wouldn't have said it to another pastor at church. 
a deaf woman I sent him to another reverend at church. He's 1,000%. Well, because I knew he was a stranger, I always said that person is a Christian, I am able to go blah. Does that make any sense? And blurt it out and sit back and go, okay, this is, he is what he is. Let's deal with it. Does that make sense? So that's why I'm kind of like an advocate for it, but I don't know how we could integrate it into church. That's why I don't know. <clears throat> well, it's like having a session, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. like, it's either having, you know, as a, a, a section of leadership go for that type of training so they can administer it, or you can invite a ministry um, that is that their sole focus is emotional healing and 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 counselling um, into the church to offer sessions to anyone that is you know going through those things. I think <clears throat> I think it's easily integrated into church. You know, just like how we meet up for prayers, just how we meet up for Bible study. You could actually meet up just for one-on-one counselling. You know, with uh with the pastors or the counselling department. You know, just how we have prayer department, worship department, various different departments. We can have emotional healing department or counselling department. That you know what I mean. The sole focus is to, you know, make people sound um, <laughs> soulish to deal with soulish issues. So I think I think it's easily integrated. To be fair, man, I, I don't I, I don't think it's, it's anything. I think it's very easily inter- integrated, like you said as well. I just think there's no value placed on it. So you're only integrating mm. you you see value in. But I don't think a lot of church leaders know the importance of of emotional development. I think even if you look at the previous generation, like bro, they don't talk about emotions, especially men. Like, do you get what I'm saying? It's not like oh, right, how you culture. Any other yeah. culture? I didn't want to mention the name, but you mentioned it, so now you have <laughs> the freedom to say it. The culture. You get what I'm saying? And because of that, it's it's difficult to incorporate into church when you've got a whole generation that don't even know how to speak about it anyway. So I think we're the generation to make sure we see these things and we think it's important to see these things and we have to go to our leaders and say, you know, sir, madam, I think we need Christian professional counselling. I think we need to invest in this individual or that individual because at the end of the day, the church are the people. Do you get what I'm saying? So if it means putting money so somebody can go and do a course or can finish their masters, or can finish their doctorate, or whatever it takes. I think we need to put money where our mouth is and say, you know what, this is where we should be investing our finances because this is what it will happen. Because there's a generation of broken leaders that are building broken people, that's building broken systems, and it's just going to lead into a whole bunch of chaos. So I think it's very mm-hmm. easy to integrate, but it just needs to be more value. Places. More, more value. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think for me. Go on. So yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I think. Theoretically, it's easy, it's easy, but I think when we come back to the topic about selfish ambition versus God vision, I don't. I think I don't. I don't know if it would that be that easy, because theoretically, it's not like something that's that's good. And I agree. I definitely stand for that. We need to have um, professional counselors in church. But a lot of times, especially for some of us who grew up in African churches that are maybe smaller, a lot of times we have this thing where pastor is the solution. Do you got what I'm saying? Pastor has all the answers, and it's almost like. Just because pastor's been married for 25 years, I don't mean I don't think that means that pastor's a, a good marriage counselor. Do you get what I'm gonna say? I think that's more needs to be done. Do you get what I'm saying? Just because you've been doing this for a long oh, time. God, you... <laughs> hey, it's both the truth, bro. I'll be honest. So think about it. It's like, <laughs> well, right, think about it. Pastor's been married for 25 years, automatically that, that qualifies him as a marriage counselor. Not really. It means you've been married for 25 years. And I think um, there's it's, it's a lot more things that we have to look at. Uh, the church itself has to look at what they're doing. Is it for the benefit of 
themselves as a pastor or building a pastor's brand or is it about the actual souls? And I think if the church is focused on the souls, then they should be open to stuff about that like counseling and, and different things. But I don't know how easy it will be. I think it sounds easy, but the actual practicality, I think it might be a challenging thing. That's just my personal opinion. In, in what are you saying, challenging in African churches or churches that are built built that have a, a strong culture? Yeah, strong strong, strong culture. But because for example, like more time people don't like the whole idea of people come from another church because they might feel like, oh, they come and take my members or that these things always play in the background. I think again it comes down to that thing about self ambition versus God vision. Do you get what I mean? People are afraid of, of members and a lot of times it's like people want to feel like because they're in a position of leadership that they're the only people that can feed their flock or they're the only people that can actually give things to the, teach the people, do you know what I mean? They don't, they don't want to teach from anywhere else apart from mm. themselves, do you know what I mean? They want to be that oracle that, that provides that. And if it's not from them or if it's something that goes beyond their understanding or goes beyond what they know, they may feel threatened by it because somebody else might have, have a level, level of expertise that they've never really tapped into or never really touched. So because of that, they may feel threatened and automatically reject it. If you, I don't know if you get where I'm, I'm coming from. Nah, uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, 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 I definitely, definitely agree with what Jesse's saying. I think it just goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. And it just goes back to affirmation and where you place your value. Because that those leaders, to me, is they're valued by people looking at them as supermen. Do you get what I'm saying? They're valued by... Their, their, they look at their self-worth. They value themselves by how people perceive them. And if they're not able to have all the answers then to them, oh, I can't be their pastor then because I'm meant to be all things for all men or whatever. So to me, it goes back to just the basics of making sure, like what Jesse says, we're doing our CRB checks and we're making sure that our leaders are healthy at the end of the day because we see it in scripture, Elijah was depressed. Do you get know what I'm saying? So a lot of these leaders, they might be depressed or whatever. They're, like what Shabbat said, they're scared of not being, once you get that title, yeah, it's so difficult now. You, you, you live your life now has to live up to that title. You now have to live up every single day to that title, regardless how you feel, regardless of your emotions. You don't even have the time to process how you're feeling. You don't even have the time to process how you're thinking. That's why you can get pastors committing suicide. That's how you can get pastors that cheat on their wife. That's how you can get pastors that sleep with little girls because they've been bottling all this stuff in, uh, stuff inside that when the time to, to open it comes, you're like, right, how can this man do this? But he was suffering. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? He's been suffering for a long time. But who does the pastor look to? You get what I'm saying? Who does the pastor lead on in a time of need? Who does the leader go to? That's why I said at the start from episode part one, I said leadership is lonely. You get what I'm saying? Because like, everybody's looking at you. Somebody said something the other day and they said, people forget that a man of God is, a fir is first a man in need of God. So yeah, people yeah. think because you're a man of God, you don't need God. Bruv, I'm st I st men of God still need God. Do you see what I'm saying? We're like men of God still need God just as much as the, a layman does. But I feel like there's needs, I feel first and foremost, I think that there needs to be a whole rethinking of how we perceive leaders in the church. Because like what Pastor Fritz said, even in our training earlier, he said, leadership is not about being perfect, it's about capacity. So we see leaders as, bruv, this is how you're meant to be. In the world, you can be a leader, you can be Steve Jobs, you can swear at your um, employees and people will just brush it off. But if you're a church leader and you have a moment of slipping and then, God forbid, you're cancelled. That's it. X, Y, You're cancelled. You're cancelled. Yeah, you're done out here. But there's, there's no grace. There's no. There's grace for us, but there's no grace for leaders. So I feel like there needs to be a whole rethinking of how the church sees leaders. Because that's why, uh, if we ask a lot of Christians, how many people pray for their their pastors? People might even feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, 
what do you mean? Like, how can I pray for him? Or, or like, how can I pray for grace? What do you mean? How can you pray for him? Or you need to be praying for him because he, he needs your prayers. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel that, that that for me, there needs to be a whole reshaping of how we perceive and how we, and sometimes we can put them on that pedestal. It's like we idolize them. So when they, when they get into that position now where they're like, oh yeah, they can't come off their pedal. It's like, well, you put them on there anyway in the first place. So why are you upset now that they don't want to come off and they don't want to give room for other people to grow and for other people to shine? So for me, it's about reshaping the way that we see leaders and being like, you know what, bruv, there's room for you to slip up. There's room for you to mess up. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I think, I think therefore I agree with you, Jalo. And I think on the flip side, leaders have to, <clears throat> again, be transparent with who they're leading. You don't have to tell the congregation your problems. You don't have to tell the congregation, you know, I did this, I did that. But let them know that you're, you're a man that is subject to grace. You know what I'm saying? Let them know. Because I feel like sometimes... And I think maybe sometimes this is the way people view, like you said, we put our leaders on the pedestal, maybe because our leaders only show their best side. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think if for me personally, I know some people might not respect someone falling, but for me personally, I'll, res I'll respect a man more if he fell. I hope he, I hope he doesn't fall, but if he fell and his response to him falling, that's where I know because I know that I may fall but I need him to teach me how to respond to falling. Do you understand what I'm saying? Obviously, if he's, if, if he, you know, I mean, he's, he's walking with the Holy Ghost, he never falls and stuff like that. Fantastic. But if he does, he doesn't have to tell me what it is, but let me know the response to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rather than just, you know, point me to David. Yeah, I understand David fell and he lamented. Yeah, I understand that. But what did you do when you fell? Like, what does that look like? in nowadays society do i have to fuck did you fast did you fast for three days did you turn off your phone did you not speak to anyone did you go and speak to another counselor did you what what did you do do you understand what i'm saying to seek back for to well to to to, to get back to that place where you once were when you where, where you once wanted to be do you understand what i'm saying i need practical steps so if a man told me yeah he fell and this is what he did to get back i'll have that respect but I don't think a lot of people would. They'll just hear he fell and then everything else is cancelled. No, that, that would be him yeah. done. That would be him done. Like that. Yeah. That's the. But no. Um. So I do want us to thank you guys for all the contribution. I know there's so much more to say and so much more to add, but I really want us to, you know, round it up here because I, we we have this on weekly and I know people are listening to this and they, I'm being more like Prince. Why did you stop this? I'm like, yeah. That's why you need to be listening to us on a weekly basis so that you can get the continuation of these kind of messages. And I can see that I can sense the passion in the room. Everybody wants to kind of like contribute towards it, which is good because these are real life topics people are talking about. And I always say to people, if they're not talking about it with you, they're talking about it somewhere else. So it's always better for us to talk about it together as men. And what happens is we can both all find solution in the room through the word of God. And of course, from each other. I think there was a, a, a topic that um, someone brought, I think it was Jesse again that brought up the topic that we might be looking at next week, which is, is culture stopping the church growth? You know, because I think with a lot of people, they might think, okay, you know, culture and church is clashing. And some people might go to church because of culture. Some people might leave church because of culture. Is culture stopping the church from growing? Are we any different from the uh, Pharisees that was telling Jesus, you can't do that, you can't do that. Yes, you should do this, you should do this because of this is how we've been doing it all our lives. And now you come along and say on Sabbath day, you're going to heal somebody. 
you know, and so forth and so forth. So we kind of see that in the scripture, how the Pharisees really came against Jesus, especially when it came to, you know, culture or tradition. So the next episode we'll be looking now, the next moment of truth we'll be discussing next week will be this culture stopping the church from growing. So guys, thank you once again for joining us this week. And we will be um, uh, talking to you and catching up with you guys again next week. Remember to like it, share it, and of course, discuss it in your household also. And let us know what you think. All right, so guys, God bless you and have an incredible week.